We welcome you, those who are participating online this morning, those who are listening via podcast, we welcome you in, and also those who are watching uh, on demand as well. It's great to have you here. Well, we're in the series. This is part three of our series, Everybody Always. We started this three weeks ago, and uh, we started with the subject, Honor, Everybody Always. Last week, Christy brought us the message entitled, Love, Everybody Always, and uh, this is what it means, Everybody Always, what it means to live out the central teachings of Jesus. When the lawyer asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor and also yourself. We're going to focus this next few weeks, as we've already started, focusing on that part where Jesus said, to love your neighbor, love your neighbor, the people who don't necessarily look like you, the people who don't necessarily act like you or vote like you or necessarily agree uh, with you. And so uh, uh, we said right from word go that this is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. And so we get into part three this week with blessing everybody always. Bless everybody always. And uh, let's go right back, if we could, to the book of Genesis. In the beginning, Genesis chapter one, where we see God creating and God creates. That's what he does. When he creates, he says, it's good. Everyone say good. It's good. Very good. And what he creates, he blesses. It's good. And he also blesses. That's what God does. He what? He creates and he blesses that in what he creates. A friend of mine said this once. That said, they said, God's fundamental posture is that of one who blesses. God's fundamental posture is that of one who blesses. You see, throughout Scripture, you observe as you read it, you see blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. And I do want you to know as we continue back in um, uh, the history of God's Word in the Bible, the Hebrew people would in fact, um, this word bless or the word blessing was such a powerful word. It was such a a rich word. In fact, the Hebrew people had 18 blessings that, that they would say first thing each and every morning. What do you say first thing each and every morning when you wake up? <laughs> well, they, say, they said blessings. They said blessings. They blessed God each and every morning, but they would bless God each and every night with these 18 blessings and that they would do this constantly, constantly. You see, the first two chapters of the book of Genesis, in the beginning, where God creates and he what? Blesses. It's looking to be quite amazing. In Genesis chapter 3, as we move in just a little bit further, this is where things start to go wrong. Over choices of the first human beings. And by chapter 4, we see brother killing brother. And then we move into chapters 5, 6... 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, the wheels have in fact fallen off from God's intent and his design for the world. But does God give up? Does God give up on that which he has created and that which he has blessed? This is where we welcome the little clip that we just saw. This is where we welcome the character Abram. Not Abraham yet. This is where we welcome 
Abram. Uh, and by the way, if you're wondering what the name Abram means, it means assumed father. Assumed father. A few chapters after this, in fact, is Genesis chapter 17, he turns his name into Abraham. And Abraham means um, father of a multitude. So Abram, Abram. Abram was a part of a particular group of his time where astrology was birthed. And this group of people, they were fascinated. They were fascinated by what they saw out in the night skies. And this is where astrology was birthed. They were fascinated with the maths and the science of what they were observing in the stars. And so they would look up into the skies and they would, they would look for a, a designer and they would hopefully discover that. Yet what actually happened was they would create idols to worship. And they wanted to make sense of all that they were seeing because they were so fascinated by what they were seeing. In fact, Scripture teaches us that Abram, uh, his father and his grandfather were in fact idol makers. They were in fact idol worshippers. It's what they did for a living. They would craft things, they would form things, and they would sell things so people could bow down in worship of these things. That's Genesis chapter 1, verse, right through to Genesis chapter 11. And this is where we find in Genesis chapter 12, as we move on from here, the whole story begins to take a shift. And this is where you see God's plan kick back in, where he decides that he's going to bless everybody always once again. Let's read from Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, if we could. It's up on the screen. Feel free if you've got your uh, smart devices here or your Bibles and a notepad. Feel free to take those out. But it's going to be on the screen, and it says this. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 3, it says this. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country. That's a pretty big move. He says, to go to your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a what? A great nation. A great nation. And I will, here it is, I will what? Bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. This is where it gets a little intense. But I will also, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I love this last bit. So Abram went. So Abram went. He was obedient in what God himself invited him into, into his future. Have you ever thought, why Abram? Why did God choose Abram? Well, the rabbis, in fact, believe that one night, here he was, knowing the folklore of his people, the history of his people, looking up into the stars one evening, and he knew the past, but he also looked and believed in a future. He believed in his heart of hearts that there was this one and only one God that existed. And in that moment of history, in that moment of time, God was looking for somebody. And God was looking for, for a person to carry his legacy. God was looking for somebody to carry his blessing and to give it away. And this, in this moment, God said to Abram, I see you. 
And here's what I want to do with you, Abram. I want to make you great, and I want to bless you. And in fact, through you, through your life, throughout the generations, I want you to go and bless everybody always. Remember, this word bless or this word blessing is a very powerful word, particularly to the Hebrew people at the time. I'm going to sum it up by saying this, that blessings are the material, relational, and spiritual favor God has freely given each of us. Once again, blessings are the material, relational, spiritual, and spiritual favor that God has freely given each of us. God has freely given you favor. He has freely given you and I blessing upon blessing upon blessing in material, relational, spiritual. Somebody said this morning in our prayer time, even locational. How blessed are we to live in a beautiful city, in a beautiful state, in an incredible country? Amen? And absolutely. And so God has blessed us with that favor. You may remember, for those who have been doing church for a little while, a, a hymn that we used to sing many, many years ago. Um, we did this at the end of last year. I realize some of you may not have been there, but we, we sang just kind of off the cuff, count your blessings. Yeah, remember that? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Sing with me. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Very good. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. They're the songs we used to sing. And it will surprise you. You know, one of the uh, few things we get to do, uh, we don't get to celebrate somebody turning 90 every day, do we? And we're going to count our blessings this morning. And one of the blessings, he's been here for many, many years. In fact, he used to oversee the life of our church. I think part of the ministry team here many, many years ago. And he's here this morning. I've been given permission to do this. He's turning 90 this Wednesday. I'm talking about Mr. Colin Hire. Can we give thanks to God for Mr. Colin Hire? Bring on the next 90. <laughs> but we are thankful for your ministry over many, many years ago. I realize that. And uh, you continue to minister to me and to many of us, even though later on in life, continue to do that. And uh, we're thankful for your life. Have a great celebration this Wednesday. But also, it's Sandy Hart's birthday today and Beck Beeston's birthday today. And uh, Toby James's birthday, Jamie James Misdom's birthday today. And so we congratulate anyone else's birthday. That's where I get into trouble. That's where I get into trouble. I start naming people, I'm sorry, but uh, we just love celebrating people's lives. Anyway, count your blessings, name them one by one, but one by one, and it will what? It will surprise you. It will surprise you. And so we're going to do that this morning. Is that okay? We're going to surprise ourselves, but we're going to count them. So the first uh, lot of blessings we're going to count this morning is our material blessings. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is what I'm going to do. This. Got a little experiment this morning, see what happens here. It's dealing with water, so anything could happen. And so uh, we're going to count our, oh dear, <laughs> see what happens, is that right? right, in the corner, in the corner, there is a little fount there though, there is a little... no it's not good, okay, they've tried this before, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't tried this before, the girls have, thank you girls, we'll see what happens, like that, something like that, okay, so I've got to fill it to about a third, I've got three points this morning, is that a third, tell me when, tell me when it's a third, tell me when it's a third, bit more, bit more, count your blessing, bit more, bit more, is that a third, okay, I'm going to go to a third, 
If that's a third, wow, good on you. <laughs> that's a third, happy with that? All right, I've got three points. That's our first blessing, our material blessings. We kind of get a little awkward about this, don't we? Material, material. Yeah, no, God has blessed us with material blessings, things that are physical and things that are tangible. Think about your house. For those of us who are blessed to own our house or part of our house or one day might own a house, maybe your rental or your apartment, wherever you live, it's a material blessing. You have a roof over your head. Um, in your house, you have a kitchen, which is a pretty good thing. Some of us get hungry every now and then, and we get to prepare food. And so in our house, you think about it, the kitchen and the, and the lounge room and, and things like that. Within our house, we are blessed. Our bathroom and our bedrooms and things like that. Everything you have is a material blessing from God, and He freely gives. And He gives you these gifts through the way of blessing you with a job to be able to pay for these things in your house or your car and things like that. Or maybe one day, maybe one day you might be able to get there with a house or a car. And so these are blessings from God. And so often we find ourselves looking over our neighbors and kind of counting their blessings, don't we? We look alongside and we're looking at their material blessings, but we forget to count our own blessings that we have freely been given. And so the first blessing we're counting this morning are these material blessings. Think about, just for a moment, the material blessings in which you have. Just for a moment. We're not going to stay here too long. I know for some of us, a little awkward material blessings. It's okay. But God has blessed us with favor and with material blessings. But that's not all. That's not all. We'll go on to the next one. He gives us... Oh, this is my next one. Help me out here, won't you? A third. I'm looking for a third. Okay, this is my second point. I'm looking for, this is relational blessings. Relational blessings. As we think about, tell me when to stop. As we think about those people in our lives who come to, stop there. Very good, thank you. We'll leave it at that. Some of you go, no, a bit more, a bit more. Yeah, we'll give you a bit more, a bit more. No? No, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. All right. We better leave it at that. I won't fill it to the top. I won't fill it to the top. But God has blessed us with relational blessings. I am who I am because of the relational... You are who you are because of the relational blessings that God has put in your life. Believe it or not, the good and the not so good. And so um, you think about the relationships, the types of relationships we have in our lives. We have mentors, we have teachers, we have parents, we have children who teach us. We have siblings, we have friends, we have relatives who come into our lives. And I can't thank God enough for the mentors in my life over many, many years. It's a gift, it's a gift, it's a, it's a blessing from God in my life to be mentored. I'm being mentored um, this Tuesday by a 75-year-old man who lives in Sydney via Skype. I meet with him two, three times a year. And he's just been such a blessing in my life. He challenges me. He asks me some pretty tough questions. And so he's helped um, correct me. He's given me some goals to work through and to work out. But not just him. There have been many others I won't mention today who have believed in me. But also, what does it look like for you? Relational blessings. Your children 
are a blessing. Your family are a blessing. Your in-laws, well, they're sort of a blessing. <laughs> just joking, just joking, just joking. I could never, I could never tell a mother-in-law joke. I am blessed, and I hope you are too with your parent-in-laws. But your children, your children are a gift, and we get to live on through our children. Um, although we are broken, we're also beautiful, Yeah. The way in God created us and formed us and that we get to raise them, we get to teach them, we get to therefore send them. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Relational blessings are from God because of his favor in our lives. And when we count our blessings morning and night, whatever that might look for you, might be in your daily hope, 20 minutes in the chair with God, where you write your blessings down. What actually that does to us, it, it makes us aware. As we count, it, it, surprise us, it surprises us with what God has done and is doing. But it's not just material blessings. It's not just relational blessings. It is also spiritual blessings. All right, help me out here. In fact, I can probably figure this out. I won't go to the full, full topic because somebody has to carry this at the end. So is that all right? Keep going, keep going. Anyway, you get the idea. You get the idea. God's blessings are poured out into our lives through material ways, through relational ways, but also spiritual ways. What I mean by that, and we've sung songs about that this morning, and Christy kind of spoke into this last week, and if you weren't here these last couple of weeks, I really encourage you to get online and have a listen. She talked about grace, and I think that's where God starts. What does grace mean? G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. What does that mean? It's undeserved. It's unjust. Grace. God's grace. He pours his blessing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And it's because of his grace. As we saw Tamika this morning, testify, be obedient in, the, in, the, in her walk through baptism here this morning. It changes us, and it changes our story. But guess what? God doesn't just stop with pouring grace on our lives. No, he, to all who receive this amazing grace in our hearts and over our lives, he also gifts us with spiritual gifts, gifts of leadership, gifts of hospitality, Gifts of administration, of teaching, of, of giving. And as we activate these gifts, because of his grace, because of his grace, his work in and through our lives, and I've watched some of you serve so faithfully for so many years. It's a spiritual gift. I've watched some of you lead for many, many years, and it's a spiritual gift. I've watched the way that some of you are hospitable, it's a spiritual gift that God has given you grace. And because of that grace, it changes you. And he's given you gifts. And this means blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. But he's also given you what? He's given you grace. He's given you gifts. But he's also given you a story. Well, my story doesn't then. No, no, no. He's given you a story. And it's so unique. It's unique. There is no other story like yours on planet Earth, and it is unique. You have this amazing God-given story because of his grace on your life, 
And the three goals for our 2020 vision to grow hope, invitations, and mercy. The first one is a thousand stories of hope and transformation. I just want to quickly say to you, if you have a story here this morning, and we are collecting these stories, and we'll go as private as you would like, but also go as public with your permission, with these stories. And so can I get you to fill out a little story of of hope and transformation with your own life and email us in, fill out your connect card with those stories. We'd love to hear them. A thousand stories by the end of 2020. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. When we think about material, relational, and spiritual blessings, this is what we think about. We think about all the good stuff, don't we? And it is good stuff. What was that new song? Beautiful new song, by the way. The goodness of God. Can't wait to sing that a little bit more. We think about all the good stuff, don't we? And this is where we've had Abraham, Abram, Abraham. And this is where Jesus comes along. And Jesus, he starts to talk about a different kind of blessing, if I could put it like that. You see, these are the blessings that we have a hard time understanding. These are the blessings we have a hard time to accept, but this is a part of the whole story. And sometimes the whole story includes pain. It includes struggle. It includes heartache and heartbreak, and it includes loss. (laughs) Can we allow Jesus to teach us this morning? And he says this. This is taken from the message paraphrase from Matthew chapter 5. He's speaking to his disciples, and a large crowd have gathered, and he says this. You're blessed. (laughs) He says, you're blessed. This is Jesus. You're blessed. He doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says, you're blessed when you're the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You see, these are the verses that we need to turn to, aren't they? During life's most difficult challenges. And when we have those questions that we struggle to have answers for. What Jesus is saying here, just before we move on to the next part, is that when we have these life moments and they come and they will come, when we don't have anything left to give, when something or someone has been taken from us, Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, you are are blessed. But that's where we kind of get our arms folded and we say, (laughs) Jesus, wait on for a moment. That's not a blessing. That's not fair. And Jesus would say, it's in fact in these moments, these moments are for you to encounter more of the goodness of God. And I've been challenged just as far as these last couple of days in the book of Habakkuk with this. Did everyone say the word Habakkuk? Yeah, it sounds a little bit like you just coughed up a furball. But <laughs> Habakkuk, 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 just quickly, can we just go there for a moment? Because Habakkuk, 
was an Old Testament minor prophet. He lived around about 600 BC, before the birth of Christ. Now, what do prophets do? Prophets speak to people on behalf of God. Habakkuk speaks to God on behalf of the people. This is a little different. I've been fascinated by this little book of three chapters. The reason Habakkuk speaks to God on behalf of the people is because he didn't like what God was doing. You see, Judah had been blessed. Judah had been prospering, and that's pretty much all that they knew. But now they're hurting. You see, 2,600 years ago, Habakkuk is asking the same question that many of us are asking today. Why doesn't God seem fair? I know you could do something about this, God, but you are not. I don't understand. Three chapters in the book of Habakkuk. Just quickly, chapter one, he receives this prophecy to speak to God on behalf of the people. It's weighty, it's heavy, and there's a sense of burden that surrounds this. And so he goes to God on behalf of the people in verse two. It's not on the screen, but this is a little bit of a homework assignment for you this week to read the three chapters of Habakkuk. It's only three, very small. It's fascinating. And he says this, In verse 2 of chapter 1. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Why, 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 why? Why am I sick? That's what he's saying. Why did my marriage turn up like this? Why did that happen to my father? Why did my mum have to die that way? Hmm. Why, why, why? See, what I love about the book of Habakkuk is because he is, he is raw. He is, he is real and he is full, this full of emotion in these three chapters. And this is what I, after I read through, this is what I came to understand that his name itself, like Abram and Abraham, his name Habakkuk tells the story itself. His name Habakkuk means to wrestle and embrace. To wrestle and embrace. To wrestle and embrace. His name tells the story. And so throughout these three particular chapters, he's doing all that he can to embrace what God is doing and who God is. But because of what he sees doesn't line up with what he believes, he is wrestling God. He is embracing and he is wrestling. Verse 3 to 4 goes on. He says, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. There the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails Habakkuk is going to God on behalf of the people. Question, is it okay to question God? Is it wrong? Is it an unholy to question God? Well, we did a series last year, you might remember, in the book of Psalms. And in fact, a third of the book of Psalms are those cries to God out of pain. In fact, there are whole books of the Bible uh, dedicated to this kind of approach. Lamentations. Uh, Ecclesiastes, um, Job, um, Jeremiah, the unjust suffering of righteous people, even Jesus on the cross. 
Remember? My God, my God. What's the next word? Why? My God, my God, why? I think it's fine. I think it's fine. And so we have two options. In fact, before we do, at some point in life, many of us have what Henry Blackaby says, a crisis of belief. A crisis of belief. And so there are two options. We can either live in denial and deny that anything ever happened, or we can actually say, thanks God, I am out of this. Or we can do what Habakkuk teaches us, and that is to what? To wrestle and embrace to wrestle and embrace. It's like the little girl who runs up to her father and says, Dirty Daddy, why did Mummy have to die that way? To wrestle and embrace. To wrestle and to embrace. And so God responds to Habakkuk and he says this, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you're told. And so Habakkuk kind of goes, well, finally, God, finally, you're alive. You're going to do something about this. You're going to put right what's right. You're going to heal our land. You're going to bring prosperity back to the way we used to be. We're going to be absolutely amazed. And God goes on in chapter, uh, verse uh, uh, 2, 3, 4. He says, I am raising up the Babylonians. Press pause there for a moment. Who are the Babylonians? They're the enemies. They're the bad guys. You see, sometimes things get worse before they get better. I love the book of Habakkuk. It's real, it's raw, it's full of emotion. God says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. I'm raising up that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves. They sound like a good bunch of people, don't they? But you think God's saying, you think it's bad now? You wait, you wait, it's going to get a whole lot worse. I'm going to use your enemies to bring about justice because of your sin. And this makes no sense to Habakkuk. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that God would rather have you yell at him than walk away from him. Keep in mind, this is only chapter one. There are three chapters in the book of Habakkuk. And my point here is don't walk away from God in chapter one. Chapter 1, Habakkuk is wondering. He's wondering, God, what on earth are you doing? Just quickly, chapter 2 is about waiting. It's not much better. Things aren't going much better, but he waits for God to come through. Chapter 3, you find this position, these beautiful songs that we sang this morning. That was Habakkuk. He finds himself in this, this extravagant sense before God in worship. In worship, and there's a, there's a change of tone. There's, it suggests kind of a reset, a reset. And so, can I encourage you to do a bit of homework these next couple of days, if you're in chapter one? But don't walk away from God in chapter one, because chapter three is coming. Another thing I'd encourage you, if you find yourself currently at the moment in chapter one, is to read the book Hope in the Dark by Craig Grishel. Fantastic book that talks a lot more about this. So where was I? Okay, Jesus, back to Jesus. Matthew chapter 5, 6 to 9. You're blessed when you're worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drinking the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed, he says, when you care at the moment of being careful. You find yourselves cared 
for. You're blessed, Jesus says, when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right, then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. What Jesus is saying is that this blessing, the blessing looks like when our inside is filled with stress, control, anxiety, worry, and fear, you allow yourself to receive the care and the comfort that can only come from a living God. You're not competing with him anymore, but you're cooperating with him. And this is what the blessing looks like. Jesus would take it a little further, and he says, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What this means is that the truth is too close for the comfort, and they are uncomfortable. This is Jesus. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. And all of heaven applauds and knows that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Here's what we need to understand. When it comes to God's blessings in our lives, when it comes to material, relational, and spiritual blessings, we have to ask the question, what is it for? What are the point, what is the point of these blessings? Is it just for you and I to hoard it? Is it just for you and I to keep it. I think God blesses us for two reasons. First of all, he loves us. He loves us. That's why he blesses us. He loves us the same way you love your children, the same way you love your grandchildren, maybe future children, but he loves us. He blesses us, but also to be a blessing, as we found out from the story of Abram. So here's how blessing works. God you and the need that exists in our world. God, you, me, you, and the need that exists. And what God wants to do, he wants to channel, God wants to channel his resources, his blessings through his children's lives. So it doesn't just stay there. Because what God is trying to do, he's trying to get from here, he's trying to get this blessing over to there. And so he'll bless you, he'll bless through you only if, but if he can't get it through you to over there, he'll find someone else to be that channel. He'll find somebody else to be that river rather than a reservoir. Because he's trying to help. He's trying to get the blessing through as he was with Abram to become Abraham. So we have to ask, which one am I? Am I a reservoir? Or am I into the fragile and uncertain world in which we live. We've got to ask ourselves. You see, some of the most inspiring people in and through all of Scripture are those who receive but give it away. And some of those people live here in through our church door of hope. And so you have a story. It needs to be given away. It's simple, but it's not easy. You have a grace. 
You've been graced that needs to be given away. You've got gifts and got resources. Why? Because we are blessed to be a blessing to everybody always. How do we do this? I've discovered those who aren't a reservoir and just keep the blessings there, but those who are overflowing with the blessings are people who in fact count their blessings each and every day, one by one. They're not constantly comparing with the blessings with others, but they're learning to live from a posture of thankfulness which forms their heart and ultimately changes our world. The challenge this week is this. My prayer for you is to count your blessings and name them one by one. Give away your material, relational, and spiritual blessings for the benefit of another. That's the challenge this week. What's in your cupboard? Those jeans, let's face it, they're not going to fit you anymore. Give them away. You know what I'm talking about. Give them away. Do a random act of kindness. Share your story. You've got a story to give to the world. You've got spiritual gifts. Maybe on social media this week, many of you are connected with that. Write three things this week. Three things, in fact, this next week. In fact, this next couple of weeks. Maybe this next year. Three things that I'm thankful to God for. And if you do this, your life will not look like a reservoir. Your life will look like what God's dream was for Abraham, that you will be a blessing and people will be blessed through you, everybody, always in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, we come to you and we're thankful for your word. Thanks for teaching us. Thanks, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, as the team are here ready to lead us in our final song this morning, we, it says, uh, Paul wrote to the church, he said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. Father, we thank you for your favor. We thank you for material, relational, spiritual, and locational blessings for every spiritual blessing is from you. Thank you for our role model, Jesus, who lived to give it away, blessed to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please stand as we sing our final song.